Our house band, Irving. Thank you guys so much. We're thrilled to have our next guest, Amanda Fritz, uh, on, on the show. And um, welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Uh, Amanda, you're running for city council again. This, is, this will be your third term. Yes. You, and, and you're not getting tired of this? I'm getting tired of campaigning. <laughs> it's been a long several months, but uh, no, I'm really dedicated to serving the people of Portland. Yeah, and we're excited to have you as a guest. Uh, your name comes up often in interviews that we have with nonprofits of somebody at City Hall that is supporting um, public services, uh, the good work that nonprofits are doing. Um, one of the things that, that at least is uh, certainly part of your campaign, housing is an important item that you put forward. Uh, you are calling it, though, houselessness, not homelessness. Can you d describe the difference that you see? Yeah, Right to Dream 2 is the group that has helped me understand this, and this is really how I got fully engaged. Of course, I haven't been the housing commissioner at any time in the seven years that I've been on the council, and currently the mayor is taking the lead on many of these issues. I was put in charge of the Bureau of Development Services back in 2013, and the first thing I did was say, well, we're not going to fine Right to Dream 2 for being in a place where they're safe and they're keeping people safe. So they have helped me understand that we refer to houseless rather than homeless because for one people say home is where the heart is and so if you refer to people as homeless it may infer that they don't have a heart but more particularly uh, the people who are living outside, most of them have been Portlanders for a very long time. 80% uh, of the people who are living outside right now have been in Multnomah County for two years or more. So it's not that they don't have a home. Portland is their home. They don't have a house over their head, a roof over their head. And so I think that by using that somewhat awkward term, it helps me and others remember that these people are our neighbors, that they are not um, for the large part, people coming in from elsewhere seeking the bounty of the taxpayers of Portland. They're people who are on hard times and, and often by no fault of their own are experiencing not having a home. You seem so nice. Why, why would anyone want to run against you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's, it's helpful in a democracy to have people uh, who are wanting to get their messages out. One of the people who is running against me is David Morrison, who is very concerned about the safety of Wi-Fi and microwaves. And I've learned a lot from him in this campaign. He's, he really has an interesting message. I hope you'll have him on this show in the future to talk about some of the things that we can do to keep ourselves safe now that we're all addicted to using our cell phones all the time. And, and um, I want to go back and start talking and, and apologize if I, I use the term homelessness. I thought your description of why to call it houselessness is, is apt, but creature habit, I may fall back into that. I, it, houselessness has become much more visible in the last year in Portland, or it seems to have become much more visible in Portland, and I think there's been a lot of concern about it and recognition. However, can you talk about some of the things that are going right with providing housing um, for, for working class or for, for people in, in Portland area? Yeah, we, we've gotten 12,000 people into housing. We've gotten uh, every veteran who was houseless at the beginning of uh, this year, is of, of last year, is now in a, in a home. You know, the challenge is that with rents going up, with housing prices going up, for every $100 increase in rent, 15% more people are at risk of becoming houseless. So we can't keep up in the current market. And that's really challenging, but, but 
one of the things that's going well is that we do have a coordinated plan with Multnomah County, which we've been working on very hard for the last two years, to look at what works, what's cost effective, what is wise use of taxpayers' money, so that we're not continuing to put money into services that don't work. And so we have a plan. We need to figure out even more how to fund it. And we're current, the council is currently working with the county to put millions more dollars into housing. So those are the things that are going right. The other thing I think that's two things that are going right. First of all, people in Portland are now very much aware that we have a housing crisis. This has been a housing crisis over the last seven years uh, during the recession. And the third thing that's going right is that people who have to live outside are becoming organized. They are have finding their voice, they are not willing to be hiding in Washington Park and Forest Park and in the nether regions of the city. And they are very much visible and they are saying, you know, we are here. Many of them are saying we want to be part of the solution. So they are working together like Right to Dream 2 to organize themselves, to be safe, to be kind, to be, as I say, part of the solution. And so those are some of the things that are going right. When I started working with Right to Dream 2 in 2013, there was a huge outcry when we, the first time that we tried to find a new location where they could be in a permitted legal um, rest area and help people who also need to be sheltered overnight and during the day. Over the course of time, now, many people recognize that Right to Dream 2 is part of the solution and they recognize that there are people living outside who um, are not criminals, they're not mentally ill, they're not drug addicted, they are simply people who need housing. And, and, and when you first started that answer you said we have gotten 12,000 people into, into houses. I want to break that down a little bit more about who is the we. Obviously it's, it's City Hall, it's City Bureaus, it's Multnomah County Services. Um, can you also roll in some nonprofits? This is the nonprofit hour, and, and talk about who some of the, some of those uh, organizations are that are doing good work. Yeah, I often use the pronouns "we" and "ours." A lot of what we do is a team effort, and, and politicians traditionally, I had to get coached to start off with it. I have to use "I" a lot more. But nobody is able to solve all the problems by themselves. So yes, it's the government entities of the city, the county, and Home Forward, formerly the Housing Authority of Portland. It's also valued nonprofits like the Community Alliance of Tenants, like Sisters of the Road, like Street Roots, uh, like Right to Dream Too. It's all of our community and, and many people who care about finding solutions for people who have few choices. And w where does that responsibility start and where does it end in terms of City Hall's responsibility and then other organizations that are uh, not governmental agencies? It, it has to be a partnership. Government can't do it all, government shouldn't do it all. And yet, and neither should nonprofits, churches, other faith communities be relied upon to provide the public services that, in fact, everybody wants. You know, I've gotten thousands of emails over the past few months, uh, stimulated by the Portland Business Alliance, saying Portland can do better. Well, yes, we can, and doing better and it takes more funding. So, where is that going to come from? How are we, again, we, going to work together? And I'm getting a lot more emails saying, I want to be part of the solution. You tell me what we can do to help. As, as somebody who has uh, seen a lot and thought a lot about housing issues in Portland, are you optimistic or pessimistic about what the next couple years will bring? I'm optimistic because we have this coordinated plan, because the city and the county and Home Forward are recognizing that we need to work with our nonprofits, we need to work with our neighborhood associations and our other community partners within the Office of Neighborhood Involvement to 
have everybody be part of the discussions about what are the appropriate solutions. I took a lot of heat uh, six months or so ago saying that every neighborhood should be looking at what services need to be provided. And I was misquoted a lot on that. What I actually said was there are people living outside in every neighborhood in this city, including mine. And where would we, should we be providing services? You know, even simple things like dumpsters and porta potties to provide a basic human dignity, to provide people the opportunity to organize themselves and to be in a respectful um, to the neighborhood environment while they wait for housing. Because there's a myth that people who are living outside don't want services and Whereas, in fact, most of them are, are on waiting lists, and even for families, the waiting list is weeks to months. And for people who are single, it's months to years for the waiting list. Yeah, I know you've talked a lot about uh, quote-unquote basic services and emphasize. I think for maybe a, a, a portion of Portlandians, uh, that means maybe a good coffee and short lines for Sunday brunch, but that obviously is, is something, you're saying that's something different and that's something that City Hall as well as a lot of these nonprofits can provide. Yes, and we, we have over the course of the recession and the seven years that I've been on the council, we have looked at the budget to provide basic maintenance, to provide basic services like streets, sidewalks, uh, traffic lights that work, and housing. And, and now I think we need to get into that conversation of what does public housing look like, what does having um, strategies in place to, so that people don't lose their apartment if they suddenly have an unexpected car repair that's necessary or that they are in between jobs. How do we provide rent assistance so, so that uh, people stay housed rather than becoming um, unhoused and then have, have seek much more services? I want to switch gears a little bit and, and, and talk to you more as a, a, a bit more as a candidate right now. Um, if re-elected um, and you could cherry pick the three bureaus that you want, what, what three would those be? Well, the two that I have now, I really love. Parks, I passed the Fix Our Parks bond measure in 2014. Uh, it passed with the highest approval rating of any parks bond in history, and I was really proud of that. I worked very hard on it. And so I want to be able to finish up the projects that that $68 million will buy. So that's certainly something that I will be advocating for. The Office of Neighborhood Involvement has always been near and dear to my heart. I was a neighborhood board member for 17 years before I was elected. And so the mayor took that bureau for two and a half years, and I'm really happy to have it back. The one that I think goes best with those two as a partner is the Bureau of Emergency Management. Traditionally, the mayor has kept the emergency management. He, uh, Mayor Hales assigned it to Commissioner Novick. Commissioner Novick has done a fantastic job, so I'm not in at all saying that he hasn't. I would like to work with uh, parks and neighborhood involvement to look at how do we organize communities around emergency preparedness rather than our traditional models of either parks being um, more than fun and games for sure as, as Charles Jordan said um, and yet seen mostly as something that's frivolous or um, that's for healthy exercise. How do we look at crime prevention instead of neighborhood watches, which are kind of scary, let's look who's in our neighborhood and keep them out. Um, how could we maybe organize people through emergency management and a greater understanding that when the big one hits, we're gonna be on our own for three weeks, not three days, and we better be ready to do that. I, I'd like to pass on a funny story that happened at a can Canada event last week in East Portland. I was mentioning this concept of doing crime prevention, going away from crime prevention 
um, but I talked about neighborhood watches where you organize your neighbors so that you know if somebody seems odd and you would call that in. And somebody said, well, I live on Hawthorne. We call in if people don't seem odd. <laughs> <laughs> well said, cute. well said. That was cute. <laughs> um, I just want to round out our conversation by going back to the beginning for you. So you, going back in history, you ran under the public finance system, um, which was a fantastic system if you received five dollar donations from a hundred registered voters. It was actually a thousand. Uh, for, for, sorry, from a thousand. Yeah. Uh, you then received a hundred and fifty, hundred thousand to run your campaign for the primaries and then and then another additional, I believe, two hundred thousand for the general election. Yeah, it was it was a thousand donations of five dollars from registered Portland voters in 2008 and then you got a hundred and fifty thousand of public money for the primary, two hundred thousand for the runoff. It means that every day I remember that I'm beholden to all the taxpayers of Portland for my election and so I, I think that that's a good premise. That system was one that Portlanders very rapidly learned to either game or know how to to work. I'm currently having some discussions with community partners to see what would a new public campaign finance system look like. We're just looking at what would it be at this point, not knowing when we might go for um, getting a new system enacted, but it would probably be something more like New York City and Montgomery County, Maryland, which is more of a matching fund, so a six to one match for small donations, a smaller match for larger donations, a cap on donations, and other rules for good governments so that people could have much more confidence that corporations are not people, money is not speech, and, and elections cannot be bought by the highest bidder. So that's uh, part of what I'm passionate about and want to get reelected for so that I can really focus on how could we make it so that some of the good candidates who are currently running for Portland City Council and good candidates who are running for state legislature, for judges, for all kinds of different positions, how can they focus on getting, talking to voters and letting people know what they want to do rather than having to fundraise, spend so much of their time fundraising? Amanda Fritz is a two-time city council member and is in, currently in her campaign for her third term. Uh, you have a song to take us out. I do, but first, I, I thought you were going to ask me about my favorite nonprofits. So if I oh, I, absolutely, yes. So I, I, I please. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, my two favorite nonprofits, um, beyond those that the city contracts with, which of course are all my favorite, um, are uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness and Lines for Life, which is a suicide prevention hotline available 24/7 and. Uh, manned by volunteers. Thank you for the applause in the background here. I was a psychiatric nurse for 22 years before I was elected. I worked at OHSU. The city isn't responsible for mental health care services, but a lot of our adverse interactions between police um, and community members who end up getting shot are people experiencing mental illness. So for the first time, you know, you asked if I'm optimistic about housing. For the first time in the 30 years that I've been in Portland, I am optimistic we could actually set up a mental health care system that would actually work. I'm particularly excited that uh, Dr. Sharon Myron is running from Multnomah County Commission, and she has been on the board of the Unity Center that's looking to set up a one-stop place for emergency management for folks experiencing mental illness. So I think that that's a really um, great, optimistic thing to look forward to, that nonprofits are going to be partnering with government entities, both the city and the county, and the um, 
major hospitals, which I think is another category of nonprofit that we have to talk about at some point. And so I, I wanted to mention that. It actually ties into my song that I'm asking you to, that we're gonna be fading out to, and that is Storm Large singing Stand Up For Me. And I saw Storm Large perform Crazy Enough, her one-woman show talking about her family's struggle with mental illness. And she has been incredibly supportive to me since my husband was killed um, in September of 2014. Um, she epitomizes, I think, the best of Portland in terms of uh, being an amazing performer who goes all over the world sharing her talents and then coming back to Portland being totally grounded, giving a lot of her time and talent to nonprofits in their fundraisers. And so I honor Storm by having this song played as well as um, appreciating being invited to come here. Thank you. Amanda Fritz, thank you for all the great work on City Council and good luck with the campaign. Thank you. Stand up for me And we'll stand together I'm the sky above you And I love you, everyone Stand up for me For your great-grandmother For your father And I'll stand beside